This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Hello, everybody. We are just 31 days away from the June 8th primary election. Uh, Democrats and Republicans will choose their nominees for November, and voting has already begun. Vote-by-mail ballots are out. Some voters have already cast their votes. And here's an important reminder. In 2020, all voters automatically received a vote-by-mail ballot. That's because the pandemic limited in-person voting. That is not the case this year. New Jersey is back to a regular election. And just because you received a mail-in ballot last year, doesn't mean you're automatically getting one this year unless you've already put yourself on an automatic list. That means you voted by mail in 2016, 2017, 2018. If you're not on the automatic list and you want to vote by mail in the June primary, you need to ask for a ballot. You need to contact your county clerk to make the request. But if you want to go vote in person, Uh, You go to your usual polling location on June 8th. And if you live in one of the 14 New Jersey municipalities with nonpartisan elections this Tuesday, please don't forget to vote. You can learn more about those elections on njglobe.com. Remember, take responsibility for your own vote. Check the Division of Elections website. Make sure you are registered. The deadline to register is May 18th. It's coming up pretty quickly. The re- And register for the Track My Ballot tool. Just, just Google New Jersey Track My Ballot. And if you vote by mail, you can confirm, and you should confirm, that your ballot was received. This is David Wildstein. You are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. At 420, I'll be uh, uh, joined, and I'm sorry, I don't mean 420, I'll be joined by Assemblyman Brian Bergen. He's a freshman lawmaker from Morris County. He's, He's also a West Point Graduate, he's a U.S. Army attack helicopter pilot. Uh, he he uh, is an Iraq veteran, and he's widely viewed as a rising star in New Jersey Republican politics. I'm going to ask him about Governor Murphy's announcement to loosen COVID restrictions. I'm also going to ask him about President Biden's decision to nominate the head of New Jersey's Motor Vehicle Commission to a big job at the Pentagon, and about what's going on in the Assemblyman's own political future. So you're going to want to hear what he has to say. And at 4.35, I'll be joined by one of New Jersey's best political analysts, Micah Rasmussen. He's the director of the Rebovich Institute of New Jersey Politics at Ryder University. And we'll talk about a new poll that puts Governor Murphy's approval ratings at 57% six months before he seeks re-election. I'm going to ask Micah whether these are good numbers for the governor or not, so please don't miss that. There was some big media news on Friday. Journalists and staffers at three Gennett owned newspapers, the Bergen Record, the Marstown Daily Record, the, the New Jersey Herald in the northwestern part of the state, they voted to unionize them. I don't blame them. Uh, one of the organizers of the union wrote that in the last five years, Gannett has, and these are his words, Gannett has turned each into a shadow of their former selves. 
the three newspapers have watched Gannett reduce the size of their newsroom by 50 percent. They they laid off a reporter who was nine months pregnant. They uh, sent in a single email offering a buyout to an employee who'd worked there for for 30 years. Publicly and privately, reporters have been complaining about the lack of direction Gannett's taken in recent years. And and I saw that on Friday when Gannett reported huge financial losses in the first quarter of 2021. They, they lost more than $142 million, advertising revenues down 18%. Print circulation fell 13% in the first three months of this year. I'm not sure what the future holds for newspapers, but uh, the union's probably a good start to improve them because one thing's for sure, whatever their plan has been over the last few years, it has not exactly worked out. So the union passed with 94% of the vote. In, In politics, we call that a landslide. But... There was one part of the election results, and my father likes to say that numbers don't lie. One part was troubling. Nearly one out of the four reporters and staffers who were eligible to vote in this union election, 22 percent, didn't even bother to vote. And that's troubling. So while I've been critical of the management of New Jersey's daily newspapers, I'm I'm rooting for their success. I still subscribe to the papers, but I, I worry that... They don't know what they're doing. Um, I'm old enough to remember the Newark Evening News. It was New Jersey's paper of record. It was owned by the Scudder family for, for nearly 100 years. The paper got sold in 1970. In 1971, the employees voted to go on strike. The strike lasted nearly one year. During that time, the, the readers replaced it with the Star-Ledger. And so after 11 months out of the game, the Newark News was never able to stage a comeback. They they shut down for good in the summer of 1972. This is David Wildstein. You are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Uh, this week, Governor Phil Murphy announced over 2.7 million New Jerseyans are fully vaccinated and that over 4 million people have received their first shot. And as a result, Governor Murphy eased COVID restrictions. Here's here's what it means. Outdoor gathering limits are now up from 200 to 500. And on May 19th, they'll be completely lifted with social distancing guidelines for indoor and outdoor businesses, including houses of worships and gyms. All percentage capacity limits will be gone in 11 days. Now, there's a lot of asterisks on this, so check the governor's website for details. And if you're not sure about capacity limits, call someone and ask. Uh, Graduations, proms are on uh, with masks and social distancing. Dance floors are back. So are buffets. Outdoor venues are going to go back to full capacity, but groups need to stay six feet apart. That's that's good news for the Somerset Patriots, the the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, the Buffalo Bisons. They're playing the season at the ballpark in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey has a rich political history, warts and all. So I want to keep sharing stories about some of the people that have made New Jersey politics one of the, the greatest spectator sports in the, the history of the world. Uh, the Watergate scandal led to a Democratic wave in 1973. It cost two Republican assemblymen from Union County their seats that 
that was Republican enough to elect a Republican state senator that year, despite the national political climate. Uh, one of the winners was Betty Wilson. She was a 41-year-old Democrat. She'd already won a local election in a heavily Republican town. Uh, and she was so highly regarded, she was elected Assembly Majority Whip as a freshman. The other seat was won by a man named Arnold D'Ambrosi. He was 39 years old. He was the, the Rawway Democratic Municipal Chair. Uh, this part, probably the most important, he was Rawway's Public Works Director. D'Ambrosa took office in January, and six months later, he was arrested. He was charged with taking a $1,700 air conditioner and selling it for $600 and pocketing the money. $600 in 1974 is about $3,200 today, and, and the air conditioner was donated to the city to help cool down a community center for kids in the summer. Uh, the charges built up for D'Ambrosi. He was accused of, of taking a $200 bribe from a contractor. He was accused of using city materials and city employees to do work on his Jersey Shore house. And, and this is where the cover-up's always worse than the crime. He was accused of lying to a grand jury. D'Ambrosa professed his innocence. He refused to leave the state legislature. Uh, party leaders wouldn't support D'Ambrosa for re-election. Uh, as Jack Cittarelli might say, he was one and done. He didn't run again. And, but days after leaving office, after two years in the assembly, he was sentenced to nine months in prison. He he lost his job with the city. He never ran again. And, and unfortunately, Betty Wilson was also one and done. She was a casualty of Brendan Burns upside down, 28 percent approval, 71% disapproval in his midterm election. And, and that race affected New Jersey political history because the Republican who beat Betty Wilson was Don DeFrancesco. And he would go on to become a, a dominant generational political leader in New Jersey. He, he spent four years in the Assembly. He spent 22 in the Senate. Ten of those is the Senate president. And in 2001, when Christy Whitman resigned to join George Bush's cabinet, DeFrancesco became governor of New Jersey. He was he was governor on 9-11. Uh, Betty Wilson never got back to the legislature, but she had a distinguished career and appointed executive branch post, including uh, chair of the Pinelands Commission. Uh, so New Jersey's got a, a great history, and I, and, I, and I appreciate the opportunity to tell those stories. This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. Uh, talk of the 2020 election still not being over hit home this week in a small town called South Toms River, New Jersey. About six months after the election, after six months of legal battles, some voters were actually subpoenaed and forced to say under oath who they voted for. A judge has, has finally determined that the November election for borough council ended in a tie. Uh, each voter got 772 votes. The judge got it wrong initially. Sometimes that happens. And, and he ordered the Democratic candidate to be seated while the jousting continued. Now the judge has called for a new election. It's a do-over. It'll be on June 29th. So, so there's a, a, lot, a lot going on. And, and I'll be right back with Assemblyman Brian Bergen, a Morris County Republican, West Point graduate, uh, Army combat helicopter pilot to talk about Governor Murphy's COVID reopening. And at 435, I'll talk to the resident expert on New Jersey politics, Micah Rasmussen, the director of the Rebovich Institute of New Jersey politics at Ryder University, about what a new poll uh, and about 
Governor Murphy's approval ratings mean to his general election campaign. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The pandemic of 2020 felt like a dark tunnel. And while 2020 is over, the impact is not. I'm New Jersey's former governor, Richard Cody. The pandemic affected our physical and mental health. My wife, Mary Jo, and I started the Cody Fund for Mental Health to Change Lives. Mental health issues can impact any family, including ours. That's why we want everyone to know about NJ211. NJ211 is an information and referral service connecting anyone in crisis to the help they need. It's for everyone, veterans, seniors, even children. I'm living proof there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train, it's help. It's NJ211. Remember, it's okay not to feel okay. If you need help, go to nj211.org or dial 211. The following is a paid political announcement. Last year, Phil Murphy gave us the biggest property tax increase in a decade during a pandemic. I'm Jack Cittarelli, Republican candidate for governor. I've built two businesses here in New Jersey, creating jobs, opportunity, and community. This is where my wife, Melinda, and I raised our four children. New Jersey's my home and yours. But sadly, New Jersey's broken. It's broken because of Phil Murphy's failed leadership, and he just continues to make things worse. Leaving thousands of veterans and seniors dead in nursing homes because of his devastating COVID policies. Destroying our small businesses with his extended lockdowns raising our taxes while adding billions in new spending. He even said, if taxes are your issue, then New Jersey's probably not your state. you got to be kidding me. Who says that? Taxes are our issue, and Phil Murphy shouldn't be our governor. New Jersey can do better. With Republican Jack Cittarelli as governor, we will. Paid for by Cittarelli for Governor, Inc., P.O. Box 427, Somerville, New Jersey. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. Brian Bergen is serving his first term as an assemblyman. He represents parts of Morris and Somerset counties. He's a rising star in New Jersey politics. Assemblyman, are you there? I'm here. Hey, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, David. Thanks for having me. Good. Thank you for coming back. Uh, let me start with this, Assemblyman. President Biden has nominated Sue Fulton, who runs the beleaguered State Motor Vehicles Commission, to serve as an assistant U.S. Secretary of Defense. You're a West Point graduate. You flew Army attack helicopters in Iraq. Or are you worried that, that, God forbid, our nation goes to war and pilots are going to be standing in line for hours waiting to get their, their helicopters, their fighter jets? <laughs> David, I, I'm not worried for that because I think uh, the, the position that Sue Fulton's being appointed to it's a it's a staff level position, and I don't think she's going to have that much control. But I got to tell you, I'm I'm concerned of the choice because Sue Fulton was an absolute train wreck uh, managing the motor vehicle. Uh, I was very kind to her while she was in the position, out of respect for the fact that we're both members of the Long Gray Line from West Point. But but I got to tell you, the way she handled the situation in the motor vehicle was terrible. And uh, and quite frankly, she uh, refused to see the fact that they were having issues 
And that's what made it even worse. She, she didn't understand the fact that it was going so badly, and she kept patting herself on the back despite doing such a bad job. Uh, so it's a, it's a terrible choice, but luckily, I think for the nation, it's largely a staff position that won't have much effect on our ability to wage war. So you're not, you're not worried that there's just going to be long lines of people waiting to get on their helicopters? No, thank oh, God, okay. no. I don't think she'll do that to us, David. So is this is this one of these situations good for New Jersey, bad for America, but but better for New Jersey because the Pentagon is bigger and she's at a low level and they could absorb her where she won't do any harm? Yeah, I think so. I think she's going to be just another bureaucrat down there in the Pentagon doing things. But, but here in New Jersey, she held a very powerful, powerful position in a motor vehicle, and she did not do a good job. And it, it's not it's not hard to see that. Everybody knows the motor vehicle was completely broken. They were shutting down entire motor vehicle complexes because one person would have COVID. They were shutting them down for 14 days, even when the CDC said they only had to shut it down for 10. It, she really did a terrible job. So uh, our our gain is certainly their loss. So failing upwards is really is a thing, I guess. But, yeah, that's, but that's, that's a, a fact, yeah. That's, that's it. And, uh, Assemblyman Brian Bergen, in, in March you introduced a package of bills that would stop what you called the soft shrew approach to serving veterans. You had a, uh, nine different proposals. One of them was to give a $5,000 grant to veterans who want to move to New Jersey to, t- to accept a job offer. What's, what's the status of your legislation? Yeah, so actually we have some exciting stuff to report. I mean, the bad news is it has not moved anywhere yet. The good news is that I am putting together a coalition of all the commanders of all the different veterans' organizations in New Jersey. And I think that we are going to get together and demand that the state do some real legislation. Hopefully some of these nine I put up are part of it. But the reality is we've gone far too long where all we do for veterans is a bunch of license plate bills or half off the turtleback zoo. That's not going to cut it anymore. We've got to do some real, tangible stuff that's going to help move the needle for veterans. These nine bills are a start, and I'm hoping that all the commanders of all the different veterans organizations can get behind me, which I believe they will, just asking for us to do something. Post these bills, listen to them, debate them, refine them if they need to be refined, and let's actually do some real good, tangible stuff for vets. So some of the things you proposed, a, a, a one-time $10,000 grant to help veterans buy a, an established franchise, uh, another one of your bills uh, would, would put $5,000 uh, up to help veterans make a down payment on a home in New Jersey, pay their closing costs. Uh, these, are the kind of, you're, these, these, I guess, are the kind of serious proposals you're talking about. Yeah, right. And, and the, the biggest one, David, that I proposed – was you know there are there's a large population of veterans in New Jersey that have a service disability rating from their time in service, and the biggest bill in my bill package would give service disabled veterans a discount on their property taxes equal to their disability rating. So if you left the service and they said you were fifty percent disabled, you'd pay fifty percent of your property tax bill. And this bill actually uh, was proposed several years back by Speaker Coughlin. So what I'm hoping is that Speaker Coughlin hasn't changed too much in the past couple of years when he became the speaker and that he's willing to take this to the floor now and make it law. And and one of the things I should just point out, I mean, it just it, 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 it seems fairly, fairly easy. You want the, the legislature to waive in-state college tuition for Medal of Honor or Purple Heart recipients. Oh, that's right. That should be a no-brainer. I mean, there's, that, there's no reason why that should 
that should not move immediately. And all of them, quite frankly, because we just have to start doing stuff for veterans. And the, the, the budget's been raised by, you know, something like 30% in the past four years. And the people who have been left out of all that are veterans. It's time to really, to really pony up and do our jobs for them. So this way, I'm speaking with Assemblyman Brian Bergen of, of New Jersey. You, you've been a, a critic of the governor's handling of the pandemic. Are you in agreement with the actions he took this week, easing COVID restrictions, eliminating some of the capacity requirements for businesses? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm absolutely in favor of us loosening on the restrictions, and it's far too late. What really needs to happen, though, David, and this is the most important thing that we've missed since the pandemic started, is we can never allow a governor to have this much unilateral authority ever again. I don't care if they're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or anything else. No governor should ever be able to unilaterally issue executive orders for a year. It's bad business. It's not the way that our government was established. and It's not the way it's meant to run. And so I have a bill that I put in in May of last year that would limit the governor's executive order authority, give him enough time to issue an executive order in a state of emergency so that he could act, but not so much time so that he could act unilaterally and has oversight by the legislature. And that's what we really have to come to uh, from here. So a, a poll released by Monmouth University this week, 31 percent of New Jersey Republicans say that the governor did a good job managing the state during the pandemic. How, how do you explain that a third of Republicans think he did the right thing? Well, you know what? There, there are things the governor did good and there are things the governor did bad. There, there are decisions he made that were right and at the right time and some that he made that were wrong at the wrong time. So it doesn't surprise me that some people believe that he did a good job. But if you, if you look holistically and you look at the damage of some of the decisions he did make that were wrong, for instance, putting people back in nursing homes who had COVID early on in the pandemic, this, the bad far outweighs the good. And I think maybe just a lot of people don't know the magnitude of some of those terrible decisions. And hopefully this year, Jack Cittarelli can educate everybody just on how bad they were so that we don't have to deal with four more years of uh, potential damage. So you, uh, Assemblyman Bergen, you're, you're up for re-election this year. Even Democrats tell me you're, you're in good shape. There's, there's no signs of, of you being targeted. And, and uh, as you recall, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to beat you two years ago. Are, are you going to tell me that you're running like you're behind? I always run like I'm behind, David. Always. You know, winning elections is all about constant action and ignoring polls. And the day you get comfortable is it's like the Game of Thrones is the day your head gets lopped <laughs> off. And so I don't plan on letting it happen to me. And, and Republicans are, are saying to me in, increasingly, you're a rising star. And I, I know that you're going to tell me when I ask you this question that you're concentrated on this year. But are you thinking about running for Congress next year against Mikey Sherrill? The answer is right now, no. Yeah, they're they're redrawing the congressional map. I don't know what that map is going to look like. We have a great candidate in Rosemary Becky, who I think could run again and run and do well. And so I don't plan on running for Congress. No. Now, this is politics. So things can change every single day. Like I said, it's it's a lot like the Game of Thrones. Uh, And if the situation changes, Rosemary is not running. The map is different. And I think there's a chance to win. I could possibly run. But but I highly doubt it, so I, I think the answer to that is going to be no.
So you get the contrast here is just absolutely extraordinary. A, a Democrat who was a Navy helicopter pilot and an Annapolis graduate and a Republican who was an Army helicopter pilot and a West Point grad, right? I mean, that's just that would be just a great race. Oh, it would be a fantastic race. You know, I think we should just bet it on the Army-Navy game. And let, let let that decide who's in Congress. So I should can I can I ask Congresswoman Cheryl that if she's willing to to let the seat be determined by who wins the Army Navy game this year? Absolutely, let's do it. You'll, you'll, I wonder how how Nancy Pelosi or Kevin McCarthy would feel about that. But, but uh, well, Army's got a good streak going, so I don't think they'd like that too much. <laughs> so what do you what do you think Republicans are going to look for in redistricting in the eleventh district? Well, Republicans are going to – I mean, the simplest thing is Republicans are going to look to probably pick up some towns a little further west, make it a little more red, and the Democrats are going to look to make the 11th district you know, a solidly Democrat district by picking up some more towns in Essex County. You know, But as you know, there are other people in other districts, Republicans, also jockeying to make their districts more competitive for them. So I don't really know what's going to happen. And you know, your guess is good as mine about what this map's going to look like, both legislatively and for the congressional races. Now, assuming you're you're back next year, uh, the Assembly Minority Leader John Bramnick will not be back. He's running for the state Senate, so so there is go- there is an opening for uh, a, the next Republican Assembly Leader. Who do you think that's going to be? Well, right now, David, honestly, I think everybody thinks it's going to be them. There are about 28 people who believe they will be the next minority leader. Um, But this is what I will tell you, that from now until November and and, and almost until January, whoever wants to be the leader has to act like a leader every single day. And that's the person who's going to do it, the person who actively decides that the Republican Party is no longer going to accept being in the minority. We're not going to accept taking the crumbs that the – Democratic majority throws to us, and we're going to take a, an aggressive, active approach to reestablishing some more seats in the Republican Party. And whoever successfully does that will be the, the candidate that's going to win. And are you, are you ruling out running for minority leader? I'm not ruling anything out, no. Okay. Well, that's a good answer. That's the one you usually get, right? <laughs> I'm a rookie at this, but, you know, I'm, I'm learning quick. And, and I guess when you're, I guess that's it, right? When you're, a, when you're a Republican in the legislature, and there, you know, you walk, you sit around the the floor, and there's there's not a, a lot of you there. Uh, it, it means that the time doesn't take as long to go. So we'll we'll watch and we'll see what happens. Assemblyman Brian Bergen, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, David. This was great. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And, and everybody, don't go away. I'll be right back with a leading New Jersey political pundit, Micah Rasmussen, director of the Rebovich Institute of New Jersey Politics at Ryder University. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The following is a paid political announcement. Last year, Phil Murphy gave us the biggest property tax increase in a decade during a pandemic. I'm Jack Cittarelli, Republican candidate for governor. I've built two businesses here in New Jersey, creating jobs, opportunity, and community. This is where my wife, Melinda, and I raised our four children. New Jersey's my home and yours. But sadly, New Jersey's broken. It's broken because of Phil Murphy's failed leadership, and he just continues to make things worse. Leaving thousands of veterans and seniors dead in nursing homes because of his devastating COVID policies. Destroying our small businesses with his extended lockdowns. Raising our taxes while adding billions in new spending. He even said, if taxes are your issue, then New Jersey's probably not your state. you got to be kidding me. Who says that? 
Taxes are our issue, and Phil Murphy shouldn't be our governor. New Jersey can do better. With Republican Jack Chitterelli as governor, we will. Paid for by Chitterelli for Governor, Inc., P.O. Box 427, Somerville, New Jersey. The pandemic of 2020 felt like a dark tunnel. And while 2020 is over, the impact is not. I'm New Jersey's former governor, Richard Cody. The pandemic affected our physical and mental health. My wife, Mary Jo, and I started the Cody Fund for Mental Health to Change Lives. Mental health issues can impact any family, including ours. That's why we want everyone to know about NJ211. NJ211 is an information and referral service connecting anyone in crisis to the help they need. It's for everyone, veterans, seniors, even children. I'm living proof there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train, it's help. It's NJ211. Remember, it's okay not to feel okay. If you need help, go to nj211.org or dial 211. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world. For the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. Micah Rasmussen is the director of the Rebovich Institute of New Jersey Politics at Ryder University. He's, he's one of the sharpest political pundits in the state. Micah, welcome back. David, thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. It is, it, is, it, is, it is always great having you on because it, it makes, me, it makes me, me think a lot more than I usually do. You're, you're one of the smartest people I know, so thank you. Well, uh, likewise, David. This is, uh, you know, our, our conversations can, can always stretch on for hours. We don't, we don't have that kind of time today, but we'll make the most of it. Well, thank you. And uh, let's start by talking about the Monmouth University poll. It has, it has become the gold standard of New Jersey state polls. Uh, they put Governor Murphy's job approvals at 57 percent what is what does that mean for his re-election campaign oh he's in really good shape i mean you know uh, six months is a lifetime away for sure but looking at these numbers today you have to say to yourself where is the opportunity for his opponent um you know the, people looked at there was a, there was an initial tendency some of the overnight stories some of the press stories looked at it and said, oh, my gosh, his numbers came down. Well, yeah, if you compare that to the stratospheric numbers when we were, you know, smack dab in the middle of the pandemic a year ago, then, of course, they've come down from that stratosphere. But he's hanging on to the bulk of those numbers. Um, You know, he's doing far better than any of his uh, neighbors that have really struggled with uh, any of the governors that have struggled with the pandemic. And uh, there's just not a lot of room uh, where you see where Jack Chitterelli or whoever the Republican uh, nominee is going to be uh, goes um, to to uh, to 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 find some vulnerability there. So 12 years ago, when when Chris Christie won, John Corzine had job approval ratings of 38 percent. And then he, he right. only lost by four points. Uh, mm-hmm. The number that I was looking at was was the question about should we reelect Governor Murphy or is it time for somebody else? That was 48, 43. What, what do you think of those numbers? 
Yeah, so, I mean, typically you want to see yourself, you want to see above above the 50% mark, right? That's typically where you want to go. But to put this into some perspective, um, he needs to climb 2% over the next six months. His opponent needs to climb over the 50% mark, needs to get everything else, needs to run the board on everything else. And I just don't see where that's a feasible possibility. I mean, New Jersey, as, as the poll uh, director, Patrick Murray, uh, is very fond of saying, we are late deciders. We have a lot of people who stay on the fence till the end. And so, um, you know, it's easy to see where a lot of people are going to come to Murphy over the next six months, going to come back to Murphy, even some of the Democrats, right? 77% of Democrats said they were with him at this point. That's going to be well over 90, 95% by the time he gets to the election. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you want to see yourself above 50, but if he gets two, four, two more percent, he's done. He's over. He's, you know, the, it's history. Now, what if you think about all the things that can happen? We're still in a pandemic. This this thing is is not over. Governor Murphy said this week it's getting better. You heard, you heard Assemblyman Brian Bergen a couple of minutes ago. He he said, yeah, we're moving in a better direction. But right. but. There could be a reversal, and we all hope not. And one of the things, by the way, that Jack Cittarelli has, has said is that he roots for New Jersey. I think he said that in, in your class he did. when he, he, did. When he was speaking and, and there. I thought, I thought, you know, it was a very, very uh, a good thing for him to say, a proper thing for him to say, and it showed that his heart is in the right place, which is where it needs to be. Uh, but if, if we continue to go in the direction we're going in, people are going to feel very good about um, you know, about where we are come, come September, come October, come November. But you're right. If we have a reversal, if we have to start going back into lockdowns, I think there's a good chance that that could be something that would be a liability for Governor Murphy. So at this point, there's a lot that's going right for him. There's a lot that is moving in the right direction for him. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a lifetime away. Anything could happen. And if we start to have a fundamental change, then the, 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 there could be a big shakeup. So one of the big differences, and, and you and I have talked about this before on the show, is this is this uh, – partisan gap in New Jersey that that there's almost 1.1 million more Democrats than Republicans. The, right. it, Twelve years ago when John Corzine ran, that number was 705,000. It's, it's a big difference. And, and there's more partisan intensity than there used to be. There are less people identif- uh, uh, saying that they don't want to be affiliated with either party. There's, they're signing up. What does is, what is that gap in registration mean for uh, for Democrats who who have not reelected a governor in 44 years. Yeah, we want to we want to point a lot to this idea that uh, no Democrat has been reelected in, in, in decades. We want to point to Brendan Byrne being the last Democrat who's been reelected. But the fact of the matter is, is that, um, you know, is that is that we have, as you say, almost half a million more Democrats than we did the last time a Democrat faced reelection. And so that right there just makes this a different state, a different electorate, a different universe as far as this election is concerned. And, um, and, and it's just a much different situation. You have a lot less people crossing the partisan divide when it comes to voting. You have a lot more people, you know, staying with their party. And really, all Murphy has to do is crank out the Democrats. If they come out to vote and if they vote for him, it's very, very difficult for Jack Cittarelli or whomever it's going to be, would have to have all the Republicans and all the independents and run the board on all of that if he's going to overcome Murphy's uh, Democratic advantage. So this is the first election in, in state history where there's there's more Democrats than 
unaffiliated. Some people call them independents, but but people that just have chosen not yes. to pick one party or the other. Uh, right. There's never been that before. There's never been a point where the Democrats are a bigger block than the than the independents. What is what is Jack Chitterelli have to do to win this? Well, it's daunting. I mean, you and I talked about how when you look at the poll. When Murphy is winning among the unaffiliated voters, when he's winning, when he when he's getting when he's getting one out of five Republicans, even at this point, who who say that he's doing a good job, you know, fifteen percent say that they're going to vote for him at this point. So you know, Jack Turley's got to get back all of those folks. He's got to get back all the unaffiliated, and 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 even that is is daunting since you've got majority Democrats. It's it's just. The idea of running the board among Republicans, running the board among unaffiliated, uh, is just, it's just really daunting when you look at the kind of support that Governor Murphy has, which, let's face it, a lot of it is residual, residual impact, residual goodwill, residual good feelings about how he has managed the pandemic crisis. And, uh, you know, that stayed with him. And so unless that comes off of him and all of it goes to Jack, it's really, it's, it's uh, daunting odds. And I, I, I look back and I saw that right after right after 9-11, uh, President Bush had uh, – George W. Bush had, had an 88 percent approval rating in New Jersey. Uh, right. It was still pretty high the next year. Frank Lautenberg still won the Senate seat. By the time he ran for reelection, uh, he lost New Jersey by six points. This is – is this just – is this state just becoming so blue that – that it's going to take more of a miracle than than anything else? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at his dad, you look at George Herbert Walker Bush, the same thing after the Iraq war. He had that kind of sugar high, and and so much of it came off. And uh, and so, you know, that's where you see Governor Murphy is, you know, the numbers are coming back down to earth uh, exactly as we expected it to, exactly what we thought would happen. But you know what? Maybe we need to be looking at what a great gift almost and this is a treacherous thing to say, but, you know, the pandemic gives a crisis manager, it gives the governor the ability to govern the state through a crisis. And, uh, and again, he's fared better than any other governor, really, uh, that you can look at, that I, that I certainly, Governor Cuomo, um, you know, the governor of Michigan, any of the governors that have dealt with this stuff, he is hanging in there. The numbers are staying with him. And, um, you know, maybe it's because it's been a slow motion crisis because, you know, because he, you know, it's not been the kind of crisis where you go in and six weeks later we're done. You know, this has been something that's been an ongoing thing. So, um, um, you know, people continue to have good feelings toward him. He continues to get the benefit of the doubt. And you just don't see those numbers falling off. You, you see you see it coming back down to earth, but you see a lot. He's retaining a lot of that support. So Jack Chitarelli is, I mean, he's, he's a lot. Likeable guy. He's a, a competent. Absolutely. He's a yeah. competent guy. He, you know, he's he's very much a you know, uh, he's quintessential New Jersey. Uh, yep. uh, one of the things that the poll doesn't show is is they haven't had a chance to to get to know Jack Chitterelli yet. Is how right. how important will that be in moving numbers off of Phil Murphy? Well. It's always going to be important, especially when Murphy's not over the 50 percent mark, the reelect mark at this point. You know, that's always that's always a good bet that 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 Jack Trudeau's got to get out there and he's got the opportunity to uh, introduce himself to the state. But don't forget, that's an opportunity for Governor Murphy's campaign, too, to come out and define him to the state. Right. And so, you know, this is you know, this becomes a, a race as to who gets which version of Jack Trudeau gets out there first. Uh, but um 
you know, he, he I'm sure, will be very endearing to folks. You know, I expect, uh, you know, it's almost I'm starting to think about the general election race. It could be a real gentleman's race. It could be a race where they could, you know, have a lot of common ground. But I think you're going to see Governor Murphy um, um, trying to uh, define him early, you know, uh, and he's not going to define him personally, I don't think. It's going to be defining him and lumping him in with the Republican Party that New Jersey voters have rejected so soundly in recent years, right? The party of Trump, the party of Christie. That's really all that Governor Murphy has to do. Uh, he doesn't have to, uh, you know, call into question whether or not Cittarelli's a good guy or, or his, you know, a good record or any of that. He just has to lump him in as a party. And, you know, Republicans will say that that's unfair. Republicans will say that that's weak and that's, that's uh, you know, lazy. But the fact of the matter is that's what New Jersey knows about the Republican Party right now, and it's been enough to reject the Republican Party in New Jersey. And I'm speaking with Micah Rasmussen, the director of the Rebovich Institute of New Jersey Politics at Ryder University. Uh, Micah, we're just going to take a quick break, and I want to come back and I want to talk about uh, poll numbers for Joe Biden and Bob Menendez and and Cory Booker. So thanks for staying with me. Uh, This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The following is a paid political announcement. Last year, Phil Murphy gave us the biggest property tax increase in a decade during a pandemic. I'm Jack Cittarelli, Republican candidate for governor. I've built two businesses here in New Jersey, creating jobs, opportunity, and community. This is where my wife, Melinda, and I raised our four children. New Jersey's my home and yours. But sadly, New Jersey's broken. It's broken because of Phil Murphy's failed leadership, and he just continues to make things worse. Leaving thousands of veterans and seniors dead in nursing homes because of his devastating COVID policies. Destroying our small businesses with his extended lockdowns. Raising our taxes while adding billions in new spending. He even said, if taxes are your issue, then New Jersey's probably not your state. you got to be kidding me. Who says that? Taxes are our issue, and Phil Murphy shouldn't be our governor. New Jersey can do better. With Republican Jack Cittarelli as governor, we will. Paid for by Cittarelli for Governor, Inc. P.O. Box 427, Somerville, New Jersey. The pandemic of 2020 felt like a dark tunnel. And while 2020 is over, the impact is not. I'm New Jersey's former governor, Richard Cody. The pandemic affected our physical and mental health. My wife, Mary Jo, and I started the Cody Fund for Mental Health to Change Lives. Mental health issues can impact any family, including ours. That's why we want everyone to know about NJ211. NJ211 is an information and referral service connecting anyone in crisis to the help they need. It's for everyone, veterans, seniors, even children. I'm living proof there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train, it's help. It's NJ211. Remember, it's okay not to feel okay. If you need help, go to nj211.org or dial 211. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. 
Welcome back. I'm, I'm still speaking with Mike Rasmussen. He is one of the sharpest political minds in New Jersey, director of the Rebovich Institute of New Jersey Politics at Ryder. Uh, Micah, thank you for staying with me. And, Thanks for being so kind and generous with your words, David. And, and I, I want to I I move to some more things about this poll. Uh, Joe Biden, 55 percent approve, 39 percent disapprove. Uh, what do you make of those numbers? And, and what number, how does what's happening in Washington, uh, how might that affect the New Jersey elections in November? That's a good question. And, um, you know, Biden has r- roughly the same numbers that, uh, that Governor Murphy does, right? And you're going to ask me about some other New Jersey politicians, and their numbers are roughly the same as Governor Murphy's are. Um, so they're, they're doing well. Uh, it's not the kind of honeymoon numbers that we've seen historically for other presidents at uh, roughly day 100. But, um, you know, people are giving the benefit of the doubt by and large. Of course, we're in this partisan environment where Republicans aren't going to consider uh, you know, uh, approving of uh, the performance that, that President Biden is undergoing. So, you know, I, I think uh, when we get to September, October, um, you know, if if we're still in the depths of the crisis, then we're going to be looking at what's going on in Washington, and we're going to be looking at uh, pandemic relief, and we're going to be looking at schools, and we're going to be looking at the federal government response. But if we are most of the way through that, if kids are back in school, we're going to be turning our attention to other issues. And, uh, you know, that's going to be where we're going to be seeing what's going on in Washington. There's a little bit of peril in that for Governor Murphy, for sure, because he's getting the, the, the stellar marks that he is on the pandemic. So, you know, you move on to other issues like property taxes, perennial issues in New Jersey, and then he starts to, you know, maybe be a little bit shakier. But, uh, you know, in fact, that's probably what you want if you're with the Cittarelli campaign is you want to move on from the pandemic. That's the ground that you don't want to wage the campaign on. Uh, but, you know, if we're if we're if we're through the pandemic, um, you know, if we're if we're back in school, if life is returning to normal, um, you know, we're not going to be looking for that federal response that we've been looking to that's been front and center so much for the last year and a half. So you and I rely heavily on historical precedents and and one of them, one of the glaring ones, is that uh, when there is a new president in the White House, New Jersey seems to elect a governor of the other party. So Barack Obama took over in 2009 and then uh, voters rejected John Corzine. Bill Clinton took over in 1993. Voters rejected Jim Florio. Is is that is that precedent something that you're watching for in 2021? You know, I've, I've thought about that, and, I, and you, you've written about that before. And I almost, if you take the pandemic away, um, would Murphy be in more of that kind of typical situation? And I think you, the way that I answer it, the way I think about it is you don't just have to take the pandemic away at this point, you know, and how he's handled that and how people feel he's handled that and the good feelings about that. But you also have to take away this enormous advantage that we have uh, in terms of Democratic voter registration that is so much more pronounced than at any more at any time when any any other Democrat has faced re-election uh, as has you know has tried to run for re-election. So I think um, you've got to look at some differences between now and those historical comparison points that we talked about in order to say that you know Murphy would be facing the same kind of trouble in the same kind of situation. And I, and I do want to point out just just to everybody because you and I spoke about this uh, uh, this week is that. 
New Jersey, I, I say it all the time, New Jersey is, is a blue state, but they haven't reelected a Democratic governor since 1977. Brendan Byrne right. was an unlikely prospect for reelection. His numbers were upside down on on Election Day. So so we go back 56 years to Richard Hughes, the last time you had a popular Democrat running running for reelection. It's almost amazing. And what you said, the, the rest of what you said to me this week was, we have not had a Democratic governor in good shape for reelection or in this kind of good shape for reelection since Dick Hughes, which is unbelievable to even think about or fathom in a state as Democratic as New Jersey is. But that is the situation. And I think it speaks to uh, why we can't necessarily look to all these historical comparison points when we look at Murphy, because he is in so much better shape than any Democratic governor has been in the last 50 years. But isn't it isn't the flip side that that New Jersey Democrats, they may be bigger in numbers, but but they're not all the same. You can't put all Democrats in one box. And 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 that 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 big tent makes it more difficult to control. Is that why New Jerseyans seem to prefer a Republican governor? Well, there is that, you know, the, the old Will Rogers adage, right? And people do see New Jersey's Democrats uh, warring with each other and feuding with each other and the, 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 uh, the, the tribal politics of the, the cities and the urban areas. That is out in the open, warts and all. And so we do see that. Um, you know, if that's the reason why, whether that's the reason why, it's certainly the reason why Democrats have struggled. It's certainly the reason why, I mean, I, I've, I've told you this story before, but when I worked in the governor's office and Jamie Foxx was the chief, of stuff. I certainly remember, you know, you do something for one county and every other county is on the phone asking where's theirs with their hand out, you know, and, and um, it is almost unmanageable. But whether that's the reason, uh, you know, why New Jersey is, uh, you know, um, the way it is or, you know, why we're suspicious of Democrats, I don't know. What I can tell you is that I think that uh, you and I talked about how, uh, how, how Democrats are almost not willing even to believe that Murphy is in the kind of shape that he is in right now. We also talked about how um, uh, the, the, uh, the Democrats, how Governor Murphy really needs to get some credit for unifying the Democratic Party behind him, for getting all those rival factions uh, behind his reelection. There is something to be said for the circumstances of the pandemic, for everybody falling in line. You know, if you and I, and, you know, listen, if we looked at your, uh, at your, at your top 100 list uh, and just the covers of the last couple of years, he, we would not have been talking about him in such generous terms just a year or two ago in terms of his reelection. He looked like he was going to get primary challenges and everything else. So he's, he's brought the, uh, the party under his uh, under his wing George, George Helmley would probably tell you not to not to jinx him by saying that because there's still <laughs> still six months and things are still very fragile I am I'm speaking with Mike Erasmussen the director of the Rebovich Institute of New Jersey politics at Ryder University let me let me shift to New Jersey's two U.S. senators uh, Cory Booker Bob Menendez uh, both on the on the right side of approvals uh, mm-hmm. uh, any any anything stick out to you there with 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 cook cory booker i mean 57 percent, same as phil murphy you know a little bit better than joe biden bob menendez in that range any uh and and they both have a few years left before they have to face the voters again are are they they assets to democratic candidates this year that are running for office 
I think so. And, you know, it's less of a surprise, I think, with Cory Booker, who is coming off of a national campaign for president, right, and enjoys a high profile nationally, certainly. Um, this is what you would hope to see for him, but you, it's also what you expect to see for him. I think for for, for Senator Menendez, who had, um, you know, troubles of his own in the recent past, right, right before his last reelection, certainly he got reelected. Certainly the numbers were there. But for him to be in this level of approval at this point, um, after, you know, the, the, the legal troubles he had, um, after, you know, really the struggles that he's had, is, um, you know, it's, it's a real success story. I think it's a real, well, maybe it's a survival story. How much of that comes with his being chairman of the U.S. Senate Foreign Relations Committee? I mean, that is a, that's a position that puts him on a, on a global stage and, and certainly as an insider, a, an integral part of the, the Biden administration's foreign policy. Absolutely. And New Jersey is very fortunate right now to have a lot of congressional leadership, right? We've got, we've got, um, Chairman Pallone as well. And so you're right. New Jersey enjoys having that, uh, that position. Um, we enjoy having our senator in that position. Um, you know, maybe that is part of the rehabilitation. Maybe that is part of why he's got the approval numbers he's got. Uh, if he didn't have that high profile, maybe we will still be thinking about those last things that we heard about him, which were not so great. Uh, but you're right. He's had a chance to be out there on a whole host of other issues. And, um, you know, it's almost like that's in the rearview mirror at this point. And this is, uh, I mean, again, we have a, we have a long time to go for U.S. Senate races and, and, uh, right. Uh, you know, and they're they're both on a national stage now, and I think they both have a, an obligation with a Democrat in the White House and Democrats controlling both houses of Congress. That that this is a point where where it, it, it's not a time for standing on the sidelines, right? It's a time now for them to get everything done. Well, that's a good point too. Is that you could expect the party to be standing by him and standing by the senators because that's what the party's doing, right? You they're rallying behind themselves, and they're you know, and, and we're you know, each party is rallying behind itself, and and uh, and you know, not uh, sort of second guessing or thinking twice about staying with um, the, the leaders of their party, and so that is something that you would expect to see at this point. Um, you know, one of the things that for those of us who really follow. Uh, political scandal and, you know, that kind of thing, and how you survive this it, stuff. One of the things that's interesting It ends is, fast, doesn't it? I mean, it just... Yes, it does. Those exactly things go through. Right. And, exactly. and by the way, and, and, and I... Hanging I, in there is something you have to do. You know, it you is. It absolutely does. Absolutely. Yeah. Micah, it, 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 I don't know. It always, it always goes so fast when I'm, when I'm talking to you. But, but thank you for joining me. Micah Rasmussen, director of the Rebovich Institute of New Jersey Politics at Ryder. This is David Wildstein, editor of the New Jersey Globe. Thanks for listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together.